Build the portfolio of tomorrow today with alternative investments previously reserved for only the top 1%. Yield Street's cutting-edge investment products are designed to grow your wealth, bringing you one step closer to the financial independence you crave. With minimums at just $500 and access to investments in art, real estate, venture capital, and more, the future of alternative investing is now with Yield Street. Visit YieldStreet.com to get started. That's YieldStreet.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 65 of Get Out of Rap. Today, I'm joined by Daniel Stephen, who is the executive health coach. Hi, Daniel. Hi, Martin. Uh, we, we've spoken a few times over the years, haven't we now, around... In a couple um, of years, I think. There was a time when I was posting about going on a bit of a fitness journey and you got in touch and we had, and shared some really helpful tips. And then we started talking recently around coming on. I love how you talk about um, health in, in its entirety. And I'll just we'll touch on that in a second. But we were talking about coming on and I said, whilst this is a podcast predominantly aimed at the contact centre world, and it would be great for you to come on because there's a common saying in contact centers, the, you've been in six months, once you've started at a contact center, you put on two stone because <laughs> yeah. everyone has a birthday. There's always cakes. The vending machines weren't, maybe still aren't the greatest in terms of health. Yeah. And you don't do much work, but actually you were, you were spot on. You said, it doesn't really matter whether it's contact center or not. It's if you are sitting down for the majority of your day, Everything you do in your world applies to all listeners. So hence we are here today. So thank you very much for joining. <laughs> no, it's my pleasure, mate. And you, yeah, it, it doesn't matter whether you are in a call center or whether you are doing, as you put it earlier, any other white collar office job. And you, it's from the CEO down to a grad. Most of the time we're spent sat at a desk. You know, if you're fortunate to, to get out of the office for meetings, then you're one of the lucky few. But most people... They're based at a desk, sat down, maybe standing if you're lucky, but you're still sedentary and not moving. So the same problems are kind of transient across industry. I think, I think maybe they're exemplified and made worse in contact centers because, like you mentioned, you've got so, you normally have a vast number of people working there, especially in the larger ones, and there is always a birthday. So there's always going to be a cake, cupcakes, sweets, treats. You know, there's always that stuff in reach. And because you're sat down so much, you tend to be bored. And then the border meeting kicks in and there's all those. So there's, yeah. So it's um, to anyone who has a sedentary job, then it, it still applies 100 percent. And great. And we're going to get into some of the tips and kind of your world and the things that you share, which I found um, really helpful in the, in the past and still and still apply now. Um, but how did you get to where you are right now? <laughs> the million dollar question. Um, <laughs> yeah. So try and do this in, in a short period of time um I went to uni late I was 21 when I went to university I followed a passion of writing so I did a degree in creative writing but as you can imagine that doesn't really give you direct careers you can go into apart from journalism is the main one which I didn't want to do so I left uni I was going to leave uni in my final year wondering what on earth to do so I asked my career counselor what's the most what's the best paid job I could get with my degree and she was like, well, something in sales. And I was like, okay, that's helpful. That's really, really specific. <laughs> um, so then I thought, and I was like, well, you know, I know I grew up with people, majority of the family friends I knew and my family worked in finance. So I thought, oh, I'll go into that. Pays the best, do a sales role in that. 
So I went into a financial sales position for a year straight out of uni. And in that year, I lost all my hair. I mean, it was thinning before that, but it just fell out on the pillow and in the shower from the stress. I got to the biggest I've ever been. I think I went from a 34 inch waist to a 40 inch waist in a year, ballooned in weight, ballooned in size. That was the last time I had suicidal thoughts. Um, And I was at that point where I was like, I don't know what to do. So at that point, I thought, well, I tried following the money, didn't make me happy. So what else could I do? And then eventually, after some backwards and forwards, I landed on how much I've always loved exercising and being fit, playing sports. So then I landed in training as to be a PT. And then 11 and a half years later, that journey of starting as your very, very standard guy who works at Virgin Active, counting reps for people. I started off there and, that, and now I'm doing the health coaching online. And it's just it's evolved and grown over the 11 and a half years into what it is now, which is a, a more holistic approach to health, a more of a well-rounded, fully encompassing approach rather than just focusing on exercise and nutrition. So hopefully that gives a better idea as to what I, what I did before and how I got into this now. Well, there's definitely a few things there. I mean, um, that, the holistic approach is something that straight away, it intrigued me, interested me, spoke to me when me and you first um, made contact those years ago. But just um, to take you right back then, because I think absolutely resonates and empathizes and I can recognize so much of um, myself in some of those things especially from the early days so that kind of and not just because neither of us have hair um, but (laughs) but that kind of do you think the stress and then going to food is and, and that comfort it's it's often a cliche but it's very very real for so many people isn't it Hugely. So it's not just food. Um, I, when I was younger, I went through a period of using drugs to cope. I used alcohol to cope. I mean, I left university um, and was in pain, went to my doctor. They did some tests and my, my doctor told me I could never drink again. I damaged my liver so much that his advice was to not touch alcohol ever again. So I used drink and drugs when I was a teenager and early adult. And then after that, Um, it wasn't until I started in the health industry that I started to get that stuff together, but regarding stress, you're, you're, you're hundred percent right. You know, people don't struggle with their weight and struggle with their health because they're stupid. That does everyone a massive disservice. So Mm. the reason why people struggle so much and so many people struggle so much is because they don't understand how to cope with their emotional states that they can get into um, for a lot of people, and it's a surprisingly high number, especially with men, as that's the, the niche I work with. Um, trauma, Martin, to be totally honest, a lot of people have experienced trauma either in early childhood, adolescence, or young adulthood, or even into adult adulthood. They suffer some kind of trauma, be it emotional, physical, or sexual, and they don't do anything, don't know what to do to help them through that how to work through that and let go of that and stop letting it maybe even subconsciously run their lives. And so what they end up doing is every time that they're unhappy, every time that their emotional state goes to the negative, they've learned through practice that, oh, if I eat something, it's going to alter my physical state and make me feel good. It might be brief, but then that's why we keep eating. We keep snacking. Mm. So I'd say most people who I work with, most of them, not all that, you know, there's no hard and fast rule, but most of the guys I work with 
struggle with their weight because they don't know how to cope with stress healthily. So stress is at the heart of the work I do. Um, it's one of the five pillars actually that make up my framework. So we've got nutrition, exercise, sleep, stress, and then mental health. So it's so crucial. I'd actually argue, and I often tell people I work with that getting your stress right, getting healthy coping mechanisms to stress is more important than exercising and nutrition. Because you can be on the best nutritional plan and have the most amazingly fun exercise plan. But if your stress levels are through the roof, it's going to be really, really hard to make any progress. And do you see that then? So that people that will say, I'm exercising all the time, I'm following this plan. I don't get it. I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not losing weight or I don't look the way I think I should be looking right now. Is that quite common? Usually. I mean, we, when we talked, I hope you don't mind me asking you this on, on the podcast, but when we, yeah, no, were talking, you know, you were struggling with your weight yeah. and how often before we spoke, Martin, how often had you tried to lose weight up until that point, but had maybe lost some, but then yo-yoed back up. Did you experience that? Yeah, um, a lot. And it was you that, and I was, we're on a tangent now, so I'll share it. It was what surprised me and intrigued me um, was the questions you were asking and the things we were talking about, that connection between things that had happened or where I was mentally or what, what I did when I was stressed. And equally, what, it, what was it like? And I still use, I still use this now is, when I'm for me it's um, football so when I'm doing football it isn't just about the physical activity because I could get the same physical activity doing something else right mm. for the same length of time burn the same number of calories yep it's because my mind is completely free and it's free of stress and it's free of thoughts around work or or whatever it is and the tapping into that was something that you gave me so yes to answer your question I had kind of yo-yoed you work you work like a nutcase get to a certain point and then think you're done and then you but you then might revert back to what you were doing in prior I, to that I'd argue it's not that you might you will because <laughs> yeah. so, the problem yeah. the, the problem and I, I posted about this I think it was last week about you know one question you need to ask yourself before you decide to do anything for your health and well-being is can I see myself doing this a year from now and to be quite blunt, if you answer that with anything but a yes, a resounding yes, don't even bother. Because 12-week, 16-week transformations, unless you only want to lose the weight for a holiday, you know, pre-COVID that is, um, want to lose weight for the holiday to look good on the beach and for photos, if that's only the goal, then have at it. That's fine. That's an that's a absolutely acceptable approach. But if you want to lose the weight and keep the weight off and get healthy and stay healthy, if, if what gets you thin or slimmer and what gets you healthier you can't maintain what will happen is you will go back to your old habits 100 if you don't change your habitual state the things that you do subconsciously then you will put the weight back on the minute you stop whatever program you're doing so if you want to do keto great but make sure that keto is going to sustain and work for the rest of your life if it's not the minute you stop it the weight's going to come back on because you'll go back to your old eating habits it's I see it time and time again. Most of the people I speak to, I'm like last chance saloon. It's like they get to that point now where they've, <laughs> they've literally tried, they'll reel off 10 or 15 different diets. They'll reel off 
tens of thousands of dollars or pounds they've spent over decades on supplements, eating a certain way, buying equipment, gym memberships, PTs, whatever it may be. Um, but if it's, if it's not sustainable, then you will revert. That's the only option. Like you, if you think about it logically, if you do something for a set period of time and then stop doing that, what are you going to do if you don't have something else to do? You're going to go back to what you were doing before. So it's really, really important that we, we think about things in a more sustainable long-term approach, but then that goes into the whole delayed gratification versus instant gratification. Thinking, oh, I'm going to approach losing this weight from a long-term perspective, that takes consistency. That takes prolonged effort, as where if someone tells you in 12 weeks you can lose all this weight, you're going to go, oh, why would I want to take 12 months when I can take 12 weeks? Yeah, and it's mental, isn't it? Because you, what you're thinking then is, I can do this for this short period because the payout's going to be worth it, but the actual 12 weeks I'm not going to enjoy. But you'll think, but really what you're saying is, that's your, if it's your life, why not do it that you enjoy that part as well as what the perceived payoff is, right? I mean, exactly that, right? So every client I work with comes out of the other end having enjoyed the process. It sounds a bit rich coming from me, but there's plenty of video testimonials and written ones to prove my point, but they'll come out of it going, at no point did I feel like I was on a misery-inducing restrictive diet. At no point on a Sunday was I sat there knee-deep in Tupperware, prepping for the week ahead, thinking, this is horrible. Like, if that's how you, if that's what you have to do to get the results, you're not going to sustain it, are you? No one wants no. to do something they don't like, let alone do something they don't like indefinitely. So it's got to be sustainable, but it's also got to be at the least not horrible, but preferably enjoyable. So it's really important that we find ways of doing things that, that work for who we are. And that's the other thing, you know, what works for you, Martin, might not work for Bob or Jane. Like we're all different. We have our own the, the problems we face being overweight, tired and lacking energy and having poor sleep and being chronically stressed, the problems might be the same, but the reasons for us struggling with that will be our own. So you can't take something that's just for everyone and expect it to work that well, because it's just not remotely tailored to your lifestyle, to your needs, to your problems. So it's really important that you ask yourself those questions when thinking about what you're going to do. Otherwise, you will just fall off that dreaded that dreaded wagon everyone talks about that, mm. you know, doesn't have to be there. You don't have to fall off and on that wagon the whole time. There is, there is other ways of doing it. So you must go through this kind of like fact find process of getting to know someone and really trying to dig into the patterns and the triggers. And 100%. It's, it's interesting you say patterns because most of it is pattern, pattern recognition. So speaking to somebody and trying to figure out what the pattern is, what their triggers are, what the situations they're in, the emotions they feel, the why. It's essentially, I call it the why. It's, it's, it's figuring out the root cause. So surface level, it's I struggle with my weight because I don't know what to eat and I'm stressed. But the root cause could be, just for example, somebody has terribly low sense of self-worth. So that low sense of self-worth informs all of their decisions but from the surface it just looks like they don't know what to do they don't know how to mm. eat to lose the weight but it's less about that as it is when they're stressed when they're upset when you know you haven't re you haven't hit your targets 
you know, if you're working in a contact center, most of them, they have metrics that you go you know, KPIs mm. you've got to be hitting. If you don't hit that and your boss is riding you, telling you you need to buck your ideas up, but you're struggling and you get stressed. If you don't know how to cope with that in a healthy way, you're just going to reach for the candy bar or whatever your kryptonite is to, to stop you feeling so unhappy. It mm. just lifts your mood for a few moments. Yeah. And then once it's happened once, that's it. That can be the go-to very quickly, can't it? Hundred percent. And most of them are most of them stem from people's childhood and adolescence, to be totally honest, or their very early days in business. So for a lot of the guys I work with, they tend to be between 35 and 55. And so they have at least, you know, 10, 15 to 20 to 30 years of of working in, in the real world. And so when you start in any industry from the bottom, you tend to have a lot of pressure to perform there's lots of competition to have the role so you are under and put yourself under a lot of stress and it's in those moments when we're young where we think that we can trade sleep in to get more work done that might work at 21 to 25 26 but then as we get older we find we need our sleep so then we pick up other unhealthy habits like relying on caffeine so i don't know about you but most places i've ever worked in before i worked in this from home everyone's everyone's relying on caffeine or red bull or monster drinks to get them through and then to bring themselves down in the evening they'll have a bit of alcohol to 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 calm them down and it's this constant roller coaster trying to pick yourself up and then pull yourself back down again to sleep and then we pick that you know we can do that when we're young and we don't put pile on the weight maybe but then after 10 years of doing it we turn around and we're like where did where did this second version of myself appear from. <laughs> yeah. Where did I go? I'm, I'm nodding because I know that people that listen probably will have seen on the videos now that they're on YouTube. This is probably one of the first where I haven't got a can of monster or, or, or something. Ne- is that because you're talking to me? <laughs> Maybe subconsciously. Subconsciously. Yeah. Um, but I know that I got contacted by someone the other day uh, his name's Cameron. I haven't worked with him for ages. And you know what it's like. You work in so many places. I recognise the face, but I couldn't quite place where we worked together. And he just sent me this message, and the, his opening line was brilliant. He said, do you still have your coffee so that the spoon can stand up in the in the middle? Because I used to have it really thick, <laughs> like an espresso. But um, actually, that's when I lived in Turkey. Um, there, oh, Turkey you can actually stand up your uh, spoon and yeah so it is something and it did, did make me think yeah coffee is now really less so in it although it is in the video in some of the videos less so energy drinks but coffee definitely that cycle of um like you, you the path you've mentioned there is is mine really i would work it wasn't uncommon to work 70 80 90 hours because you were either chasing the next job or in fear of not hitting your numbers. So you're running at hundred miles an hour. You are taking whatever you can, like a energy drink or coffee to maintain it. And then like you say, that's when you then finish work or the weekend happens or you're off shift or whatever, then yeah, alcohol was often the, now I need something to, glide into land you know so um yeah like you say and it's a young man's game 
I mean, it's, that it, doesn't it is. affect you when you're young. It, well, it does affect you, but you don't feel it because you've yeah. got the energy of youth. You've got the metabolism of youth. But then, I mean, and again, the amount of men I speak to who turn around and go, you know, it must just be age because I used to eat like this and drink like this. I've done this for 20 years. And I'm like, yeah, but you're not 20 anymore. Like, yeah. I hate to break it to you, but you're in your 40s or in your 50s. Yeah. You can't yeah. or the other one is, especially when, I, when I'm working with like highly successful um, guys, they tend to have had an athletic background. So maybe they pay, pay, played at like an elite level in some sport, regardless of nationality, whether it's here in the UK or within Europe or in North America. And then they take that mentality of, you know, I used to train like crazy and I could eat and drink certain things. So then they carry on eating and drinking without the training. Um, it's a bit like Ricky Hatton and I'm not trying to yeah. shame him that he was in phenomenal shape for years mm. and you look at him now last time I saw him he's almost spherical because mm. he hasn't changed his he stopped all the training but he used to do that between fights didn't he I love boxing and, oh not uh, to and the MMA. degree he is now like he used to no, fight, not right? now. but now yeah. he's just like he's just gone so far because I don't think he realizes I think there's a lot to play there but I also don't think he realizes he's not training anymore so mm. you can't eat like that um so and a lot of it though martin is habitual so Mm. 95 percent of all of our actions in a given day are subconscious so if you think about that 24-hour window let's say for a second you get eight hours sleep if you're lucky 16 hours then of that 24-hour window you're awake and in that time 95 percent of that you are not conscious of the decisions you're making which means it's all habitual so if we don't hold a light on our habits and occasionally do like an audit on our habit list, we could be doing stuff without even knowing it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, um, I recently took on a new guy in America and it makes me laugh. He, um, he lost 10 pounds in the week from when he signed on to work with me and when we actually had our first coaching call, purely when I asked him to take food photographs for me to show what to show me what he's eating and the volume just taking the photographs meant it break the, it broke his habit of just doing what he always does with food and drink and it forced him to think about it and make it conscious so when it made it conscious he looked at what he was consuming and was like holy shit that is just way too much food and so in one week he lost nine pounds just over nine pounds purely from bringing the 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 subconscious into the conscious so that's amazing it's really important that people realize that if you're like willpower and motivation is going to get me to that four dress sizes smaller dropping a few inches off of my waist whatever it might be that's great but the willpower and motivation will only help with the five percent you're, you're consciously choosing it doesn't help with the 95 percent that's going under the radar so and i yeah. bet everyone's doing exactly what i was doing whilst listening to you tell that um anecdote i was thinking yeah my photographs this week aren't going to be that great (laughs) um but you're right it's it's bringing it to the forefront of the mind and thinking i read this thing the other day that said um albeit it's a year or two old the university in uh canada had been able to ascertain that we have about six thousand thoughts a day um I was just thinking then how many of them probably centre around 
food and exercise. Probably more than uh, food. Yeah, but and it's only and like you say, it's it's more about the fueling of habits, and those are kind of subconscious. Those are just this is my current pattern. So I don't have to think about that. I'm just going to do it. Um, this is more about yeah. slowing that thinking down and going, right, let's, let's properly have a look at this. And that's where one of the biggest things, one of the most important things, I, this is a topic that's really close to my heart, is self-awareness. Both internal and external self-awareness. So what I mean by that is being aware of what we're doing and what we're thinking on the inside, but also being aware of how what we do and what we say impacts people outside of ourselves. And to become aware of our habits, we need to work on increasing our self-awareness. You can't figure out what your habits are without working on that. Like you can't just suddenly magically be aware of all your habits unless you work on being aware. So the clients that do the best, and by the best, I mean lose the most weight, make the most progress, have the biggest shift in their mindset and their outlook are the ones that really, really work hard on their self-awareness. So if we make that a priority, getting to know ourselves better, figuring out why we do what we do, figuring out that why I mentioned earlier, that is at the heart of being successful and not just with weight and health, but with everything in life. If we're self-aware of how we communicate, that's another thing. If, If we can be aware of how we communicate with people, we can improve our communication style to suit whoever it is that we're talking to. And it sounds manipulative, but we can influence people better by communicating in a way that they understand, as opposed to always communicating in our way, because we are unaware that there is a difference. We're unaware that we communicate in a particular fashion and our boss or our colleague or our subordinate at work doesn't communicate in the same way. So, you know, a lot of leaders are, red on the disc profile they're very alpha Mm. very dominant and if you're somebody who is more of a blue or more of a data person if you go to a red and you go at them with loads of info and loads of numbers and go to the decimal point you know the fourth decimal point a red won't want to know any of that so you're going to make your life more difficult by not being aware of how you communicate So every facet of life, in my opinion, is hugely impacted by whether we're aware or not. So that's a huge part of what I do. And to anyone watching this, if you're serious about wanting to shift your health and shift your weight and make improvements in that area that last, I'd strongly suggest you start a journey of trying to become more aware. It's one of the biggest things. Yeah, and that's fascinating because I I can see, because I... I know you and I've heard you talk um, before and read, read your work. And I know that for you, that they all sit in the same, it's all in the same sphere, right? This kind of understanding yourself, becoming happy, looking at um, stress, looking at mental health. All of this is all part of the same makeup that then manifests itself in how you view yourself physically and what you can and what you can do um physically and i think that's what kind of makes you um makes you unique in that it isn't counting reps and those do you know that (laughs) that absolutely has a place i have a there's a a, the gym a personal trainer who he's great he's great for that you know that is exactly what he wants to do that's he doesn't offer anything else more than that um and for a certain moment that absolutely 
absolutely works, but it's completely undermined if then when I come home, I do the things that completely negate that, or if anything, don't make that earlier session meaningless. 100%. And I don't mean to sound like I not I was knocking any other like PTs. Oh, no, and yeah, no, I know you weren't, yeah. They're great. I did it. It's important. You know, if somebody has never stepped foot in the gym before and they do not know how to exercise safely, then I would strongly advise you get a personal trainer to show you and to help you with techniques so that you can train effectively and safely. But if you know how to train effectively and safely, then great if you need them for motivation. But like you said, if you're doing all of that work in the gym, but then you're undermining it because you don't do any work on your stress levels, you don't do any work on your outlook and your mental health, you don't do any work on that area of your life, you're not getting enough sleep, you're just not going to get results. I mean, mm. when I was a PT in the early years, I would get so frustrated, not with the client, but with myself. I'd be like, what on earth am I missing? Mm. Why does Jane get phenomenal results and Laura just is gaining weight? Like she's gaining size, she's not losing it. Because I was only looking at exercise. Then I brought in mm. nutrition. That helped a lot because you can't out-train a bad diet. It's one of my favorite sayings to tell a client. Love that. Yeah. So bringing the nutrition help but then you realize without enough sleep you're doomed as well so um one thing i find a lot of people are misled by the government and the media so in in the uk there's a lot of talk about eat less move more you know they had those plasticine like play-doh cartoon characters that were advertising and promoting the eat less move more mindset and approach but it's fundamentally flawed and i'm going to get a lot of hate for this i'm sure but counting calories Weighing macros can work for some, but it's not actually the most effective way to lose weight and to keep weight off. Weight loss or weight gain is more impacted by our hormones than counting calories. Wow. And, th and when you take into account how it's impacted, then you realize even more how important stress is. So very high level, stress levels, um, when we're highly stressed, our cortisol hormone, which is our stress hormone, that will go up. Now, cortisol and insulin are directly linked. And we all know about insulin regarding diabetes, mm. right? But insulin is, think of it like this, it's like the thermostat for the body, but rather than temperature, it's weight. So a high insulin level will set our body set weight at a higher number. And if we can lower our insulin level, we're going to prime our body to lower our set and lose weight so if our stress is high our insulin will also go up so you could be doing great exercise eating really well but if you're hyper stressed your cortisol's high so will your insulin be so it help makes it so much harder to lose weight so what we need to do is lower our cortisol and lower our insulin and the weight will come off which is why you see sorry do you, i was going to say um, that's why loads of people can lose weight without being on a misery inducing diet if you get that stuff right. Uh, and that kind of answers what I was going to say, because I was going to say, do you see people who might exercise and actually eat well, but because they're stressed, they can the still time. be what they consider overweight or they are overweight or, or whatever. And that's, that, that's fascinating. I mean, I have, um, I have clients, you've actually given me an idea for content. <laughs> um, I have clients and we do. We You're do welcome. Weight. Thank you, Martin. Um, we have, I have clients that 
all, all my clients track progress by you know multiple different factors but we use photographs we use uh, girth measurements and, and the weight on a scale and all these different um, metrics and you can see this really really good with most of my clients like a consistent loss of weight but when they have a plateau and maybe they stay the same weight for a week or they gain a bit of weight every single time without fail it's because their stress has gone up mm. so when yeah. they when they send me the measurements and um it's, maybe it's week eight it's their first week that they've gained weight and they're really upset they're like nothing's changed that's what i always hear i haven't done anything differently nothing's changed i'm eating the same i'm exercising the same i'm still trying to get the same sleep it's here or there you know nothing has changed and i'm like okay have you been more stressed oh now that you mention it i've had a really bad week okay how bad and then we talk about it and they've had five days throughout the work week where they've had a boss yelling at them or it's been end of year and the numbers aren't great and essentially their stress levels have just skyrocketed nothing nothing else has changed but stress and they've gained weight so if nothing has changed but your stress and i've seen this over five years now where i've been tracking this i've seen it time and time again it's like clockwork so it's really important that if you don't do something to help with your stress, like meditation, breathing exercises, exercise is great for lowering stress, um, working on our outlook on how we perceive the world, trying to shift from a, a scarcity-based mindset to an abundance-based mindset. There's so many things we can do to help improve our stress levels that people really need to take that into account if they want to improve their health. Mm. Yeah, it's a great list you've gone through as well. I'd add like art to that as well. Just go and anything creative or play. Create, yeah, create something. Um, but it's fascinating because it's like you say, I can see now, going back to something you said earlier, starts with self-awareness because it's understanding sometimes the stress is invisible. That's probably the wrong word, but I would say um, we become used to it. So yeah. I have a client I'm familiar with. with it, maybe. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the saying, um, familiarity breeds contempt. Mm. Familiarity also breeds complacency and also just getting used to stuff. So mm. if you, for example, suffer trauma as a kid, let's say you're bullied. I have a client who was severely bullied throughout his high school years, an American guy. And that severe bullying where he was hospitalized, he had to change schools three times, that meant that he got very used to being stressed because he was constantly stressed every moment of his life for four years. Because he got used to being stressed, because we can get used to anything. That's the weird thing about the human body. It's very clever. It can adapt. He then went into college and because he had adapted to high levels of stress, he then was okay with the high levels of stress needed at college. He was a high functioning, high stress functioning individual. And then he mm. just went through the rest of his life. So when I asked him, are you stressed? He'd be like, no. And then when we talked about it and we broke it down, he was like, holy shit, I'm super stressed. I'm just mm. used to that level of stress. So yeah. my stress level's here, but I've got so used to it that it feels like it's here. And it's only when we get aware and we start to realize these things because we are challenging ourselves, we're looking a bit deeper at stuff. We're not just taking surface level answers that we come up with. Um, we actually challenge ourselves, we realize, no, this isn't normal. I am hyper-stressed. 
And then when we lower it and then you realize, oh, my God, life could be so much better if I had done this 20 years ago. But, yeah, we can get we can get used to high levels of stress. I was like I was that way as well. All the trauma I experienced growing up led to me being a high functioning, high stress functioning individual. And then it wasn't until I had therapy that I realized how much stress I was under the entire time. And that that's what was causing me the problems. It's fascinating. Do you think um, then that kind of understanding stress, understanding not just the stress, but again, to touch on this self-awareness point, how you then respond so that people are maybe not, they're making automatic actions and decisions based on stress. And as you walk through this kind of self-awareness journey, you're going, okay, I am stressed. Then I do this and then I do that. Now that I'm looking at it differently, I'm going to make some better choices. And it all starts off with being aware of what you're doing, being aware of what's happening as the trigger. So, you know, let's say you're driving to work in the morning. Someone cuts you off. Your knee-jerk response is to hit the horn, swear, give them the finger, whatever it might be, and you get worked up. And then you sit there stewing on it the entire drive into work. And then when you get to work, you're in a bad mood that sets other people into a weird place because they're like, oh, somebody's woke up on the wrong side of the bed. You get snappy. You're frustrated. You're angry. You perceive everyone else as being the problem. Oh, that person's being a dick. That person's winding me up. When in actuality, it's your response. It's your reaction to, to the external. That's the problem. And that actually leads into a really a really important mantra I, I get my clients to learn and repeat on a daily basis is about control. So we only have control over our own actions, words, and with practice, our own thoughts. We have zero control over anything external to ourselves. So what I mean by that is stop trying to control everything outside of yourself. Mm. Stop trying to control what your boss does. Stop trying to control what your colleague does, what your partner does, what your kids do. You can exert influence over what people decide to do but you cannot control. I can't control what you do. You could do anything on this call. Like I have no control over that, but I can maybe exert influence over how the call goes by me having a greater level of control of myself. And I think a lot of people waste a lot of energy trying to control the external world instead of controlling how they respond to the external world. And I think that probably, just as you're saying that, the word that came into my head then was what freedom. Yes, it's a liberating experience when you when you understand it intellectually, but also on, a, on an emotional level. And, it, and it's actually habitual to remember that it frees you up. You're no longer at the whim of anything external to yourself. And then and then you can live the life that you you want to live, but you've kind of been in conflict with the conflict with yourself because you aren't self you aren't fully self-aware. Exactly. It's, it's brilliant. It's great stuff. I mean, and that's why I guess that the word that came to mind when I first started thinking, oh, it'd be great to get Daniel on, was just around the whole holistic thing, because it mm. isn't, you can't look at this in, in isolation. Sure, you can help with nutrition and exercise, but actually it's bring, wrapping it all together and thinking about uh, the most powerful part of ourselves right which is our mind i mean if you think about it your decision to eat healthily your decision to 
wake up and exercise, what decides that? Mm. It's our brains, it's our mind, it's the way we're feeling. So if you can gain greater control over how you feel and your decision-making skills, you'll be able to stick to things much better. But if you have no control over how you're feeling and what you're thinking, you're at the whims of whether you happen to be in a good mood or happen to be in a bad mood. Mm. So, you know, diet is nutrition is crucial. Exercise is crucial. Sleep is crucial. But you'll make all of those things so much easier if you have greater control over yourself, if you're more aware. That's amazing. It's brilliant. What is the, I was just thinking as we're coming close to the end, unfortunately, of this one, we're going to do more for sure. Um, what is the one thing, when people understand what you do um, as a job, what's the question that you get asked the most that you think, oh, that's such, that is the wrong question to ask me? <laughs> There's too many. There's too many, Martin. I get asked silly questions all the time. Um, I think the biggest the biggest area is most people just think nutrition and exercise. So a lot of people, when I first speak to them and they, they're asking me like, well, you know, I need to lose weight. How can I, what diet should I do? So what diet should I do? And what exercises should I do are probably the two most questions I get asked. Mm. Um, and people like those topics because they're relatively black and white. Yeah. Resistance training is more effective for weight loss and muscle building for guys and women than cardio is for muscle building and weight loss. Um, you know, eating whole foods is better than eating processed foods. There are certain things that are black and white, but when it comes to the mental health mindset, outlook, the way we view the world, that is all shades of gray. That's 50 shades, 50,000 shades of gray. So it's, <laughs> it's a lot harder. And that's why a lot of people don't want to touch that stuff. So in terms of what are the wrong questions to ask is rather than asking, how can I lose weight? I would ask, I would suggest people ask, why is it I've gained weight? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. And if you can be, and the problem is it's hard to be honest. A lot of people don't want to face the, the hard truth that something that happened to them as a kid um, that they don't want to go anywhere near because it's so painful that they've repressed that that trauma they experience has made them feel like they have no worth. And then that lack of self internal worth means that why would I take care of myself? I don't deserve to be healthy. I don't deserve to be beautiful, handsome, slim, fit muscular whatever it is quite often there's deep seated issues with why people have struggled with their weight for so long not always but more often than not in my experience there's deep seated mm. stuff so figuring out what your why is is the is the question you should be asking what's my why why do i struggle why do i self-sabotage not how do i lose weight because if you get the first one the why question right if you figure that one out the rest is a lot easier to take care of and that's great. I love that. And I'm sure, like I said earlier, everyone will be doing the same thing I've been doing whilst listening to you is applying that to my to myself. And it's always it's always a helpful uh, conversation. I just want to end then, Daniel, for this section anyway. And I know we're gonna 
you don't you might not know this we're gonna plan more um sounds good is wh where can people um get in touch with you where can people find out more about you yeah of course so i pretty much live on linkedin that's the main social media platform i use so um i have a website the executivehealthcoach.com it's pretty straightforward um i use facebook as well i'm on there daniel m stephen so you can reach out to me via LinkedIn is the, is probably the easiest on my website. Um, if you want to provide my email, when you post this, they can reach me via email as well. It's Daniel at the executive health um, Yeah. Email. They can phone me if they get my number off LinkedIn, however they want to reach out to me. Cause I've got people who are really into their tech and they're quite happy to, to live on the computer. Some people prefer to pick up a phone either way is fine, but there's multiple ways, but LinkedIn is probably, I do unfortunately live on it, so people can always Nothing reach me with there. That. <laughs> uh, Daniel, thanks very much for coming on. Um, we'll definitely do some more. Uh, it's been really, really helpful, and uh, thanks for giving up your time. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure, Martin. Thanks for having me on. It's been great fun. No worries. Thanks a lot. Cheers, Take mate. Bye-bye.